0: Well, good morning and welcome and happy Easter to you. It's such a, a privilege and a joy to be speaking to you this morning of all mornings, the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I want to take you back to one of the most pivotal moments of my life, uh, the birth of my first son, George. We had a, well, I say we, Debbie had a labour of eight and a half hours where had not much happened, actually, things moved very, very slowly. But then there was an hour and a half of basic basically trauma and drama, which we'd rather have not gone through. Uh, Debbie had to have an emergency C-section and we went from this very calm um, uh, maternity suite into the operating theatre. I had to scrub up, I had to be ready, I had to hold my wife's hand and she was cut open and my newborn son was pulled out of her stomach. It was all really very surreal and and actually by the end of it, I mean, I dread to think how Debbie was feeling, but I was feeling quite overwhelmed. Um, by it all, but I do remember a moment of of quiet and calm which happened just shortly after where Debbie was being patched back up and they were getting her ready to take her back to the recovery suite and I just had this moment in the corridor waiting outside for her and there was no one about, it was early in the morning, uh, just after midnight and I just had this moment of quiet where I just thought, wow, everything has changed, nothing will ever be the same Again, I'm not just a husband anymore. I am a father, and something fundamental had shifted in me. And my whole perspective on life, my priorities from that moment changed completely. Well, today, unsurprisingly, it's Easter Sunday. We're going to look at a moment of major transformation, not just in one person's life, but for the, I believe for the whole of humanity. It's the moment where Jesus rises from the dead. We've already heard the reading this morning, Andy read it for us, Matthew 28 verses 1 to 10, the resurrection story itself. And now what I want to do is bring to you three things from resurrection, which I believe just initiate major transformation in us, three resurrection transformations for us here on Easter Sunday. The first transformation is this, from death to life from dead to alive and it might seem really obvious to talk about that it's the centerpiece of the easter story isn't it a man comes back to life from being dead and make no mistake jesus was definitely dead on good friday jesus of nazareth died but on easter sunday we find them alive and well and i believe it's the greatest and most significant miracle ever on good friday we actually find ourselves as christians celebrating the death of jesus that seems like an odd thing to do doesn't it to celebrate someone dying we're in the middle of COVID 19 and every day we're getting these updates aren't we about how many people have died and you wouldn't think for a moment to celebrate any of those deaths They're, they're tragic tragic losses and yet for some reason on good friday we celebrate jesus dying why is that well The death of Jesus is the culmination of an epic story of humanity's relationship with God. It's a story of good news and then bad news and then good news again. The good news in the the start is that God creates humanity for friendship with him. He gives us a perfect place to live. He gives us everything we need to be fulfilled and satisfied. And most importantly, he gives us himself to have relationship with and to know and to love. But then the bad news is that humanity massively messes this up. We get into a heap of trouble of our own making by, instead of choosing to live under God's rule and authority, we choose to rebel and do things our own way. We choose to do things our way. And as a result, we see brokenness. We see our relationship with God broken. We see our relationships with each other broken. And we see our relationship with the world broken. And that's really bad news because God is angry, quite rightly, that we've made these choices. He's given us everything, including himself, and we've just thrown it back in his face. Instead of loving him and living by his good ways, we choose greed. We choose power. We choose selfishness. We choose hedonism over anything that he offers us. And the result is the world we see today, a world of corruption and crime and war and poverty and injustice. And in his anger, God, who's a a just God, he's righteous, he, he, he makes good judgments. He has to judge that we're guilty. It's our fault. And the penalty is death, death, which only enters the world precisely because of our rebellion. That's the bad news. But the good news comes again, because with humanity, unable to rescue ourselves, God initiates his own perfect rescue plan. Despite his anger at our actions, he's not prepared to lose friendship with us forever. And so god came down he becomes a man himself jesus of nazareth his son fully god fully man one of the words that is used to describe jesus is emmanuel which simply means god with us and this jesus he rescues us he rescues us by living a perfect life and then dying That's why we celebrate. In dying, Jesus makes an exchange. He trades our sin and our crimes against God and the punishment that we deserve for those, for the goodness that he has earned for himself and the right standing before God, the, the ability to stand before God and say, I've lived a good life. Jesus does that and he transfers that to us through his death. He gives it all to us as an undeserved gift. And that gift is offered to us to accept or reject. If we accept it, and then we receive it and all its benefits. And if we reject it, then God rejects us and he leaves us effectively to the consequence of our own choices. That is death and eternal separation from God. In his dying breath on Good Friday, Jesus Christ cried out, It is finished. He meant that that transaction had taken place. In dying, the exchange was complete. God's punishment was given to him and and we were given his status. The anger of God is satisfied in that moment, meaning that we can now relate to God again. That's why we celebrate Jesus' death. That's why it's called Good Friday. But then on Easter Sunday, that transformation happens from death to life. God replies to Jesus' cry that it is finished with a loud and resounding amen. God reveals his joy and his pleasure in the finished work of Jesus by raising him to life and new glory. And that's the really important bit because that death to life moment for Jesus is a death to life moment for anyone who chooses to be in Jesus, for us. It's the moment when our eternal destiny is fixed and secured. Paul, one of the most important and significant people in the early church, who wrote several letters that we we use in the Bible today, Uh, he writes about what the death and resurrection of Jesus means for us in Romans 6. And one of the things he says is that if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. What he means there is that when we accept Jesus as our savior, when we turn to him, we turn away from our old life and turn to him in a new life, when we go through that process of baptism, that is the physical act of being plunged into water, buried, and then raised up again into new life. When we do that, we're effectively put to death with Jesus and then raised to life with Jesus. Now it sounds like bad news at first, I think we get united in death with Jesus. I don't want to be united in death with anyone, I don't want to die. It sounds like bad news, but then as well as dying with Jesus, we're raised with Jesus. Because Jesus was transformed from death to life, so too can we be. Jesus defeats death and therefore so do we. The the death we experience is the death of our old self. The person that we were when we were ruled by our rebellion, when we didn't treat God as a king like we should, but in the new life we're raised to, is one that we're free from the shackles of sin. We're cleansed, we're changed, we're renewed forever, and we get to live eternal life with him. So that's why we celebrate that moment of Jesus' death, what it achieved, but we celebrate even more the victory, the resurrection. That death-to-life moment for Jesus is a death-to-life transformation for us Before our destination was to be dead in our rebellion, to be dead in our sin, to be headed for eternal separation from God. But now when we accept the the trade that Jesus offers us, we are headed for life of eternity with God. That's the first transformation, death to life. The second transformation that resurrection brings about is from fearful to fearless. What do I mean by that? Well, in the story in Matthew 28, 1 to 10, we see these two Marys, Mary and Mary Magdalene turning up at Jesus' tomb and they're in a state of mourning and they're in a state of fear because if they've just killed their master, what are they going to do to them as his the, as, as, as followers? And they're wondering what might happen to them and then and then they get even more fearful because they get to this tomb and there's an earthquake and there's an angel who's got this appearance like lightning and his clothes are bright, perfect white. And we know this is a scary sight because these macho, burly Roman guards who are guarding the tomb faint at the sight of it. These ladies are in fear. And the angel says to them, don't be afraid, but it says straight after that they ran off in fear and joy, but fear when they hear that Jesus is alive. But then they meet Jesus. They meet the resurrected savior, Jesus. And they they fall down and worship to him. They grab all of his legs. They don't want to let him go. And the very first instruction, the very first words that Jesus speaks to, to these people, the first thing he commands of them in his newly resurrected form is this, do not be afraid. The resurrection of Jesus brings about a transformation from fear, fearfulness to fearlessness. My eldest son, I spoke, spoke about him at the start. He's going through a bit of a change himself. He's nine years old now. Four years ago, I took him to the cinema for the first time. We went to watch Paddington. Decent little film. It's a PG, which I knew, I knew might be a bit too much for him at the time, but I read some details about it, and it said, you know, all that happens is there's some mild threat. I thought, my son will cope with some mild threat. It'll be fine. So it took him along, and sure enough, the first 45 minutes of the film were an absolute scream. Hilarious. He was loving it. He was laughing his head off. It was like he loved the cinema. He was, he was just brilliant having a brilliant time. But then the film gradually introduces the baddie. And the baddie in this film is Nicole Kidman. And to be honest, he's a little bit sinister in it. And from that moment, George's whole attitude to the film changed he didn't want to be there anymore he was clinging to my leg he was crying he was sobbing. he said daddy I don't want to be in here anymore I'm scared I want to go home I want to go home and to be honest I didn't take him home I made him sit through the rest of it but at the end of it, it was like daddy I don't want to come to the cinema again I don't want to be here it's too scary Four years on, we've got the opposite problem. George is now in that phase where he's pushing all the boundaries and he wants he wants to watch more and more grown-up films. He wants to see what all the other lads are watching. He wants to watch superhero movies and Star Wars and all these things which have got quite big fight scenes and baddies in and a little bit hesitant. Do I want to show him that? But something's changed for George. It's part of that he's a bit older and a bit braver. That's part of it, obviously. But I think the other thing is that he's sussed out Hollywood. <laughs> George realises the films that he watches, the films he wants to watch, the films that are aimed at his age group, his demographic, the goodie always wins. You know, what happens is the bad guys will, will cause some fears and trauma at some stage, but you know the goodie is going to come out on top at the end and so he sussed it out he's not afraid anymore he just wants to watch it he wants to soak in as much as he can do you know what we're in this global pandemic at the moment we're in this COVID 19 mess and it feels a bit like we're in a horror movie doesn't it it feels like a really bad film that we're in but something just awful thing after awful thing keeps happening our country's in this unprecedented lockdown our prime minister's been in intensive care our queen had to come on the telly basically just to calm everyone down Fear is everywhere at the moment and it's an understandable response to what's happening. But what is the fear actually of? Well, I don't think it's the virus itself. The fear we're feeling is fear of death. It's fear of our own mortality. It's the fear that we're not in control of where we're going and how long we get to live on this earth. We fear loss. We fear our death and the death of those around us. But this is where resurrection is such a game changer. It's such a transformative thing because death does not need to hold any fear for us anymore if we are in Jesus. Because through the resurrection, Jesus defeated death. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, quote in the Old Testament, he says, Death has lost its sting. Now, unfortunately, death still exists. You know, unless Jesus comes back very, very soon, all of us on this earth are going to die. We're all going to die at some point. We can look, but we can now look beyond our earthly death and we can know that death here isn't the end. It's just the end of the beginning. I believe what the Bible says when it says that we're not simply here one day and gone the next and that's it. The Bible tells us that God has set eternity in the hearts of humans. We have an opportunity to live and enjoy this creation, this world for a good while, maybe 70, 80, 100 years if we're lucky. But then there's going to be all the time in the world, the eternity to spend with God. There's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth, a new perfect creation with no sickness, no death, no sadness. Something better is coming. And because of this, honestly, I can look into this camera and I can say, I don't fear COVID-19. That's not to say I don't think COVID-19 is a terrible thing, it is. It's not to say I don't think it's tragic. It is, it's horrific and I'm praying every day that it changes and it goes. But when you think about it, the worst thing the COVID-19 can do to me is kill me. The worst thing that can happen is that I can die. And that doesn't affect, that doesn't scare me because of Jesus, because Jesus defeated death, because Jesus has changed the power of death into something that has no sting anymore. It's like George's films that he now likes to watch. You know, I can experience the trauma and and the tension during the story, but I know the ending is a good one. We know the ending. We know that Jesus is coming back and he's victorious. We know that we get to spend eternal life with him. So if I know that, then why does anything hold any fear for me? Why would death frighten me at all? Jesus' love for us, his sacrifice on the cross, He says his perfect love has cast out all fear. That's what his love does for us. It destroys fear because death has no sting anymore. And that's true for anyone who puts their trust in Jesus. It's an incredible transformation from fearfulness to fearlessness. That's the second transformation that resurrection brings. The third and final transformation I wanna talk about this morning is from being excluded from the family of God to being brothers and sisters with him. Me and Debbie have already, in this short time of isolation, got a Sunday night lockdown tradition. We order a curry from Smithdown Bolte. Best curry in Liverpool, by the way. L15, get it on Just Eat. Fantastic, you won't be disappointed. We get a curry and we watch, we settle down at 8 o'clock and we watch a TV program called Race Across the World. It's fantastic, it's on the iPlayer. There's two series worth of it, it's brilliant. And what happens in Race Across the World is there's five teams with two people and they have got to race from one end of the world to the other and the first series is east to west west to east and the second series is south it's north to south but they're not allowed to fly and the only budget they have is the cost that it would have cost them to fly so they're going to navigate these huge expanses of land and sea but they can't fly they've got to use boat rail and um, car roads b- taxis buses whatever they can but what i love about this particular series series two is there's a couple on that a team it's a mother and son joe and sam from yorkshire And straight away from the first episode, it's obvious that these two have got a unique bond. They're really, really deeply bonded. They're they're a beautiful mother and son team. Um, And and it's even amazing the fact that a 19-year-old young man wants to go backpacking with his middle-aged mum. When I was 19, I don't think that's something I would have chosen to do. No offence, mum, if you're watching this video. Love you very much. But backpacking together when I was 19, I don't think either of us would have enjoyed that. But you know what, you, you just see this 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 mother and son, Joe and Sam, and there's just something really healthy about their relationship. They understand each other at a deep, deep level. They care for each other in an amazing way. And it's evident, even from the very first moments of episode one, even though we find out straight away that Sam struggles with ADHD and some other social problems. But what really stuns me about Joe and Sam is that in episode two, we discover that Sam is actually adopted. Joe is not Sam's actual birth mother. They're not related by blood. Now, I'm uncle to three amazing adopted uh, nieces and nephews. They're absolutely incredible. Love them to bits. So I understand a little bit about how that bond can form between someone who's not your blood relative, but they become adopted into your family. But just there's just something about Joe and Sam, the depth of relationship they have, the depth of love and understanding of each other is beautiful. They're so in tune to the extent that you would swear that they were actually related by blood. What's this got to do with resurrection and transformation? Well, it's easily missed in this passage, but it's hugely significant. Verse 10, Jesus says these words to the two Marys. He says, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Now, the brothers Jesus refers to in this passage, in this verse are his disciples. They're the men he's chosen to spend time with them during his ministry on earth. The men he's imparted so much wisdom and teaching to. The men who would be hugely responsible for leading the early church spreading of the gospel. But what's interesting here is that that mention of the word brothers is the very first time and only time that Jesus ever refers to these guys as his brothers. Before now, he's called the men, fishermen, friends, disciples, whatever. But now, with his godliness emphasised more than ever, the moment that we know for certain he is the son of God. He is God himself. He's just risen from the dead. It's at this moment and is most glorified that Jesus says, you're my brothers. And I think that's the final underlining that something fundamental has changed through the resurrection. Jesus had been present with his disciples on earth, but the problem of sin had still existed up to that point. There was a, there's still the issue of separation and judgment because of man's acts towards God and God's judgment on them. You know, there was still rebellion and anger at that rebellion. But because Jesus has now died and paid the price for that, and now God has risen him, re, uh, resurrected him from the dead that problem's dealt with. And because of that, hum- humans get the opportunity to have relationship with God, again, to enter into that relationship with him no longer. Are we cut off by the sin in our life? No longer, no longer do we have to be excluded. No longer do we have to be on the outside looking in. We're in the family now. We're brothers and sisters of Jesus. We're sons and daughters of the living God. Through Jesus, we have gained access. We've become fully adopted into the family of God. We somehow get to call Jesus the son of God, not just master or teacher or rabbi, but brother. And we get to call God, the one who flung stars into space, the one who created the universe. We get to call him father. And just like Joe and Sam in that race across the world, the adoption bond is so strong that you would barely think it was only an adoption. It it feels like true sonship and daughterhood. Paul talks about the work that the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit, his presence after he goes up to heaven. Jesus sends his spirit to live within us. And Paul says one of the things that the spirit does inside of us is he testifies to us and he helps us to cry out Abba, Father. When he says Abba, it doesn't mean the Swedish pop group from the 1970s. Abba means Daddy or Papa. It's a deeply intimate term that you could only use with someone who you were truly closely bonded and related to. It's a term of deep affection and love. It is no small thing that we can call the God who created the universe, daddy. But that is the amazing transformation that takes place in our relationship. Before Jesus died and rose again, we couldn't even be in God's presence. Now we get to call him daddy. What a transformation, it's absolutely incredible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. It is life changing and eternity defining. So we've looked at three amazing transformations that resurrection brings about. Death to life, fearfulness to fearlessness, and exclusion to inclusion in the family of God. I want to leave you this morning uh, before we send you off to to go and have your socially distanced Easter egg hunts uh, and before you go and have your roast lamb or whatever you're having on this lockdown Easter Sunday. Before you go, I want to leave you with three questions. The first question is this, who is God to you? Is he a myth to you? Is he at best a disinterested, unapproachable being? Because if he is... I wanna encourage you this morning to spend some time investigating his son, Jesus Christ, looking into the life, death and resurrection of this God-man and looking at what that means for you, because I believe it means, it tells us that God is real and that through Jesus we have the opportunity, not just to know that he exists, but to know him deeply and personally as our Father. That's my first question, who is God to you? Look into it and make that answer for yourself. The second thing I want to ask you this morning is how is your fear level? How is your fear level? Is COVID-19 scaring the heck out of you? Are you finding yourself anxious and frightened about what's going on in the news? Are you worried about death of yourself or death of a loved one? Is that, is, that, is that having a massive toll on you? If so, can I encourage you again? The answer is simple. Have a look at Jesus investigate him look into his life look into his death look into his record resurrection look into the fact that he loves you so much that he died for you and because of that love he casts out all fear because of that death and resurrection he assures us of eternity with him so that death doesn't have a fear for us anymore check him out and the third thing I want to ask you who is God to you how is your fear level finally what's your end game where are you headed if you were God forbid to die today or tomorrow because of COVID-19 or something else. Are you confident of where you'd be going? Are you confident about what would happen next to you? Again, I invite you. In fact, I beg you, look into Jesus, investigate him for yourself. Look at his life, death, and resurrection and what it means for you. You need to know and understand what he did for you. You need to know that his life and his death and his resurrection were a sacrifice made for you. Yes. Even you, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what bad things you've done, what good things you've done, Jesus lived, died and rose again for you. And there's forgiveness available and there's eternal life available and there's relationship available with Jesus and his father through his sacrifice. If you put your trust in him, you can be transformed from death to life, from fearfulness to fearlessness, and from exclusion to inclusion in the family of God. Guys, can I wish you again a really happy Easter. Have a great day. Thank you for listening and God bless.